morning. How's everyone doing today? How's everyone doing today? Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, I just wanted to take a moment just to recognize you guys and recognize all the fathers and everything that you guys do for your families um, and for the kingdom of God. And I also want to just take a moment to acknowledge that for some of you, it might be difficult um, whenever Father's Day rolls around because maybe you lost your father or maybe you were hurt by your father somewhere along the line. And I just want to say I'm sorry. And that the Heavenly Father cares deeply for you and he loves you deeply. And lastly, I want to, um, I want to thank my father. Um, my, my dad, he's an awesome guy. And I think that he's on the screen here. It's a funny story. I didn't have a picture with my dad, so I had to take that picture yesterday. So, <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I just want to thank him and thank him for just everything he's done for me throughout my life. I mean, he's taught me so much, and I can't, I, I can't thank him enough. So thank you, Dad, and I love you so much. Um, so it is Father's Day, and I think it would be only right to tell you a little bit more, go in more detail, and tell you some sto- a story about my dad. See, my dad, like I said, is an awesome guy. He's a very hard worker. Um, he's, he, he loves to do the job right. He always wants to do the small things. He's very particular about everything, and... Um, he has taught me so much in my life, and like I mentioned before, and I wouldn't be where I am today without his guidance, but one thing he didn't teach me is how to be a basic handyman, and that's like hanging pictures on the wall and like finding a stud in the wall. Well, I say he didn't teach me that. I probably wasn't listening, but um, I can't do it very well, whatever that means. So you see, he's done construction his whole life um, and his whole adult life, and he's a master at what he does. He's does, does a great work, and I'm going to just put a plug in. If anyone's looking for anything to remodel their house or anything, he's your guy. He's your guy. Dad, I want some commission for this, though, too, so just make sure you give me that. Um, <laughs> but he, he does really good work, and, but me, on the other hand, I can't even find a stud in the wall with a stud finder. That's pretty hard if anybody knows what I'm talking about, and it's kind of embarrassing, but I didn't pick up that school, skill. Just an example, uh, when I was young, my brother and I would often go to work with my dad. Um, he does construction, like I said, and we would often just go pick up trash um, that needed to be tossed in the dumpster, but occasionally, we, he would let us use a nail gun and nail some two-by-fours together or screw something into the wall, which we thought was pretty cool. And one day, when I was in high school, I was at work with him, and for any of you construction guys, um, we were building a, like a half wall where a two-by-four, two-by-four, two horizontals, and then attach them to make a small half wall with the verticals and horizontal two-by-fours. So I was like, oh, okay, this seems simple enough. I can do that with a nail gun. And this is like one of my first times using a nail gun, I feel like. And um, I was like, okay. So he started it, and I went to do it. I went to nail the two together. What happens? I completely missed the board. And I had to hammer it out, do it over again, miss it again, do it over again. On the fifth time, I think I got it finally. So, but... That, I think this example of how I, the differences of my dad and I is such a good example of the body of Christ. See, my dad and I have a lot of similarities, and I've learned a lot from him, but we are each unique in our own way. We have different skills. For example, he's a, he's a great handyman, and I'm much more athletic than him. So, just kidding. Just like to give you a hard time, Dad, but... <laughs> But this summer, we've been in a series called um, Fresh, and today, on Father's Day, we're going to talk about a family, a fresh family. And by family, I'm not necessarily talking about 
like mother, uh, father, brother, sister, I'm more talking about a family of believers who help us grow in our spiritual walk. And as I'm talking today, I want you to, I want you to be thinking about this question. How would your life look differently if you had this kind of family around you and if you were this kind of family to other people? So let's pray and let's jump in. So Holy Spirit, thank you just for the opportunity to gather here today and just the opportunity to gather to celebrate our fathers. Thank you just so much for who you are. We pray that your, um, that your presence be felt in the room and that you open our hearts and minds as we speak about this idea of what a family of believers looks like. In your name we pray, amen. So I would say I had an unusual college experience. See, I was recruited to play basketball, college basketball, and that was always my dream. Ever since I was young, I wanted to do that. And if you guys heard my last message, that's kind of where I was going with it. I, I loved basketball, and I was really looking forward to being able to play college basketball. But when I got there, it was completely different than what I was told. And see, there was over 80 guys that were recruited to play college basketball on that team. If you guys know anything, 80 guys is a lot more than what a basketball team holds. But I actually had to even try out, try out to make the team after them telling me something different. And I tried out, and I didn't, I didn't make the team. I ended up not making the team. And it turns out that the majority of the players that were recruited to play college basketball were just, just like me. They were kind of lied to, and um, they were actually just told that the the school just wanted them to come to boost their enrollment because it was a, it was a newer school. But on the first day of class, uh, yeah, on the first day of class, so as you can imagine, though, my, my dreams were kind of crushed, and I felt really down on myself. I, was, I felt stupid for going there after what had happened. I felt not good enough. But on the first day of classes, um, there was a club fair happening. There was a club fair happening, and I walked through it, and I happened to stop by this this place, it, they had a nice big game that, I, that it kind of drew my attention, so I was like, okay, I'll go there. And I got a card from this place, and it happened to be a college ministry, and I was like, okay, I could, I'd like to be a part of this, I think. And it was a college ministry called Fusion, and they met on Sunday nights, so I decided to go. I decided to go, and whenever, on that first night, I was, only, I was one of only two people that went. So it was me and what turned out to be my good friend, Michael. But after that night, I began to get plugged in more and more, um, into that, that ministry, into Fusion, and I began to build awesome relationships with the leaders, awesome relationships with the other students, the more students that came. And that family, or that, that ministry, those people soon became my family and helped me get through the most, one of some of the most difficult times um, in my life that first year of college. And the awesome part about this group is that each of us were different, but we were one. See, we came from different places from literally all over the world. So many different countries were represented. We had different skill sets. We didn't all think the same. But this made this family such an awesome place to be a part of. And you see, each of us, each of us in this room, we're all a part of the body of Christ. But God has made us all unique in our own way. The body of Christ is like the physical body. And that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit. It's, the physical body, it had, and the body of Christ, they both have many different parts. They're used for various different reasons. But we are all one in the body of Christ. We are all family in the body of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 12, um, the scripture that we're gonna, they're going to look at today, Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth. And here he's, in the first part of the chapter, he's explaining how our one true God 
gives spiritual gifts to Christians, why and how he does that. And I want to pick up after that in verse 12 where he begins to comparing the body of Christ to the physical human body. He says this, starting in verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So here is Paul is saying that just like the human body has many parts, so does the body of Christ. There are many different people, um, you guys know this, there are many different people in the world. There's different ethnicities, different race, people that think different, look different. Um, they might have a different skill sets than you, but together we make up one whole body, the body of Christ. And sometimes people look at the differences in the family of Christ as problems or as, I, they wanna, as, as things to avoid, people to avoid. People tend to look at the people that don't have the same views as them, don't talk like them, don't look like them, and they say, well, they're a problem and I don't want, them, I don't want to be near them. I don't want them to be a part of my life. But the differences in the family of Christ is a gift of God's grace and a sign of the Holy Spirit at work. The different gifts of the Spirit form us in such a way that we do and indeed we're invited to belong to one another, belong to the same family. Paul goes on to say in this scripture, he says this, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if, I had, if it, it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And sometimes in our lives, we might feel like we don't belong because we don't have the same qualities as another person. We compare, to another, we compare ourselves to, another to other people. We might say stuff like, because I can't play the guitar like David can. I'm not good enough. Or because I don't have the organization skills as Jamie. I'm just a total mess, and I have no hope. There's no hope for my life. See, those are lies from the enemy. And Jesus has made me and you unique. And that Jesus in us empowers us to use the gifts he has given us to advance the kingdom of God. Maybe you might, you might be personable. You can talk to anybody. Maybe you, are, um, maybe you have the gift of teaching people, educating people. Maybe you have the skill of being a handyman like my dad is and can fix almost anything. There's so many different gifts that make up one part, one body. And verse 18 that we just read says that God has placed each part of the body exactly where he wants it. And I love this because this makes my heart beat because I believe um, that God has placed every single person where he has for a specific purpose. He has placed you exactly where he wants you. For a purpose. He has given you the giftings he has for a purpose. 
I think, I believe that God has placed each and every single one of us in the city, in the job, in the church. He has placed you there for a purpose, for such a time as this. And I love this analogy of the scriptures that we're reading because it seems so applicable to my life personally. Because so often I find myself looking at someone and I think, yeah, they're not like me. I don't, I don't need them in my life. But in reality, I do. I do need them. I can actually remember one of my good friends to this day was someone I thought of like that. He was a member of Fusion, the college group that I was a part of, and I didn't think that we had anything in common. So when I first met him, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy seems kind of cool, but we're never going to be friends. I mean, we're just going to be acquaintances. I, I'll see him every once in a while. But little did I know that he would help me through some of the most difficult times of my life, and he would be one of the most consistent friends that I have ever encountered in my life. And because of his gift and his uniqueness to the body of Christ, I needed him, and I still need him today. We all need each other. Each person has a place in the family of Christ. And I believe God wants us to see a fresh perspective of family today. A family where everyone is different, but are all one. We are all one. A family where each person cares for the other, despite the differences. A family where each person sees the value that the other brings to the table. So some of you might know that sports have always been a big part of my life. And in sports, teamwork is a big thing. In most sports, it is. Especially the sports that I played. And when I played basketball in high school, I can, uh, I can remember a specific moment when we were playing a team in our conference that we were competing, for, uh, competing with for the conference title. I remember stealing the ball in one end, just kind of picked his pocket, and I went down to shoot a layup on the other end, and he fouled me super hard. Like, he tackled me, basically. I would say it was a borderline dirty play. The, fou- the foul did not feel good at all. I remember that, but, but one thing that I remember just vividly, is how my teammates had my back. They ran over to me, made sure that I was okay, and they made sure that the other team did not do that again. It just felt, it felt so good to know that my teammates had my back. And the c- cool thing about my high school team teammates were that we were all different in our own way, just like, just like we all are. But we didn't always hang out. We didn't hang out on... Uh, off the court. We didn't hang out together necessarily. We had our own different groups of friends. But one thing we did when we were on the court, we had each other's back and we played together as one. We were united as one. And I believe this is very similar to the scripture that we're reading. See, the thing is, we we didn't count people out because they weren't as talented as us or they were, we just didn't count people out. They, everybody played, we believed everybody played a vital role on our team. I want to read on in verse 22. It says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. 
If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Now in the church of Corinth, where Paul, who Paul is speaking to here, the weak were being shamed. They were being despised. They were being made fun of. But Paul calls the church to a better way of living, to a better way of life together. Differences within the church are something that God has arranged. Thus, the diversity within the church is not something to be regretted or manipulated for one's own advantage, but instead it's something to be received as the gift that it is. And Paul's argument here, he implies that not only is there diversity in the body, but there should be unity in that diversity. A diversified unity is a reality without which the body of Christ can't live. So in a sport, like I mentioned before, every single member on that team plays a vital role on the team. Whether you're the star player or the bench player or the last person on the bench, your contributions matter. And the same goes in the family of Christ. Just because you don't have the same gift as someone or that you feel that you feel that someone else can do something better than you, you have your own gift. And your contributions matter to the body. And God created you the way he did for a specific purpose. When we care for each other, we begin to feel a sense of unity. We trust each other. And it's so important to have that group of people around you, that family around you, to help you get through difficult situations, to have fun together, to keep you accountable. See, we need each other. And I'm reading um, this book. Uh, it's called Leadership Essentials with a couple guys. And I, it's just been a great tool in my life. And I think that um, I, I found this quote that really applies to this subject of family. And um, it says this. We don't have it all together, but together we have it all. None of us are complete in and of ourselves, not even close. God has designed it so that we need each other. I love that quote. I love the quote, we don't have it all together, but together we have it all. So a few months ago, I found myself constantly on my phone. Um, I was constantly on my phone using this app called TikTok. Who knows what TikTok is? Who knows what TikTok is here? Most people. For some of you that don't know what TikTok is, I can explain it. Um, it's a social media app where basically it plays short videos and it's some are good, some are funny, some are terrible, some are bad, some are informative. But I would, um, yeah, I know the young people, the Rev kids right here, I would do a dance for you guys, but I don't, a TikTok dance, but I don't want to embarrass you guys, so sorry, Gray. <laughs> but um, anyway, I felt addicted to TikTok. I, and because I would constantly scroll through it all the time. So I, I decided to delete the app. I wanted to delete this app. It took me a few months, but I did it. And so I've now been TikTok clean for over a month now. And I know the only reason I know the date um, is because it was actually a day before my birthday. And uh, my good friend David Woodrow um, asked me the other day, was it hard to not look at TikTok on your birthday? And I had to think about it for a second. And I was like, you know what? It actually wasn't that hard. But the reason was because I was with friends. I was with friends that cared for me that took time out of their day to celebrate my birthday, to just hang out with me and talk. Now, we were just kind of joking around about being TikTok clean, but I know firsthand 
that having a family of believers around you during difficult times is so important because of my personal experience in college with the, with a, uh, the amazing family that I had in Fusion, the college ministry that I was a part of. And some of you may be struggling with addictions today. And I want to just acknowledge that social, I, I joked about it a little bit, but social media addictions are a real thing. And I, can, I think you can soon find out pretty quickly if you look at your screen time on your phone. It pops up every week for me. And see, mine is much lower than it used to be, but I would love to get it even lower because it's still far too high. And I want to just share a couple crazy st- statistics because about phone usage and social media usage because I believe that oftentimes social media usage or social media addictions don't necessarily look like it. They don't look like an addiction. But here's a couple of statistics. The average person is on their phone from anywhere, for anywhere from four to six hours a day. And according to studies done, more than 200 million people in the world are estimated to struggle with some sort of addiction because of the internet or social media, which is just crazy to me. But these addictions can cause fear, they can cause anxiety, they can cause loneliness. They are such a real thing. But maybe you're not struggling with a social media addiction, but maybe you, are, you or someone you know have struggled with other things like alcohol, maybe drugs, maybe pornography. Those are all real things as well. But in the body of Christ, you have a family. So surround yourself with people that want what is best for you, with people that care for you and love you and that are gonna keep you accountable through difficult situations. Now I encourage you to evaluate your own life and think, about, think back to what I said before about that question. How would your life look differently if you had this kind of family around you and if you were this kind of family for others? Would you benefit from having a family of believers surrounding you to help you grow in your spiritual walk? I would also encourage you guys to get plugged in, plugged into a group. Find a small group. Volunteer with Rev, with Revolution, our youth group, or our Kingdom Kids, or Connect Team, and get involved because the family you build through those things, those groups, are like no other. And I can firsthand say, I want to just give a quick shout out again. I do this almost every time I preach, I feel like, but the young adults here have been a huge blessing in my life. The young adult small group has been just such a family that I didn't even know I needed. <laughs> Thanks, David. That was David. He's the leader of the small group, so. <laughs> but it's a real thing. I, I just, I, I feel so blessed by it. But we talk about how everybody in the family of Christ is unique and um, has different giftings, but how do we determine that? How do we determine and understand the gifts that God has given us? In Romans 12, verse 6, it says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And to understand those gifts that God has given you, begin to look at your passions. What do you like to do? What gets you excited? What are you good at? What makes your heart beat fast? What inspires you? Asking yourself these questions can help you understand what your gifts are and how God wants, you, wants to use you in the kingdom. I know for me in the past, I've, uh, I've always allowed others to tell me what my gifts are without actually really seeking understanding from the Holy Spirit on what gifts he has given me. 
And don't hear me saying that I think it's great that other people speak into your life about your gifts, but I also think it's important to carve out time, to, to spend time with Holy Spirit and say, Father, what have you, what have you gifted me with? So as you begin to seek understanding of your gifts, allow God to work in your life to show you your passions and allow him to place you in the family in, in the family where people will point those things out. So we've talked about the diversified unity in the, of the body of Christ and how that can look like. So I encourage each of you here today to embrace the fresh family that God calls us to. Love those around us, build each other up, and care for one another. I want to leave you with this thought that comes from that same book I mentioned before, Leadership Essentials. Another quote, it says this, you are a unique being and even if you have an identical twin, there will never be another person exactly like you. God has shaped your personality temperament in a particular way and this form is intentional. And he goes on to say that there is an incredible variety of characters that Jesus first selected for his service. From doubting Thomas to aggressive Peter to sensitive John to compulsive Martha and outgoing Mary. It almost seems that God was purposefully assembling a variety of personalities, each offering something different that could advance his purposes in the body of Christ and in the world. So if each of you is needed in this family, so embrace it and advance the kingdom with your gifts that God has given you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And so I'm the youth pastor here, um, if you guys didn't know. And every week at Revolution, we take time at the end of the night to break it off as a family. We huddle up together as a family. We pray together. And we always just take one, two, three family. For all my Rev students that now, shout out to them. And we believe that we are a family that loves one another and that wants what is best for one another. And I believe that an outward action like breaking it off by yelling family in unison can shift something in your spirit. A sense of unity is felt. So I want to try something this morning. Um, I would love to do that this morning. I would love to wrap up this message by saying family on three. So I'm going to invite you guys to stand. And I want you guys to act like, just act, we're kind of all huddled up, so just kind of act like you're in a huddle. And I want you guys to just lift your hand out in front of you. And I'm going to yell family on three, okay? And you're going to yell it as loud as you can. All right, here we go. Family on three. One, two, three. Family! Thank you, guys. (laughs) So good. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go right into worship. So Holy Spirit, thank you just for just the family that you have brought here today. Thank you just for the opportunity to share. Thank you for the opportunity to um, gather together. We pray that as we go throughout our week, that you just bless us, give us wisdom, and courage to understand our gifts even more fully. In Jesus' name, amen.